Bammers is sponsored by Dead Soxy. Best damn socks in the world. Period. Does Alabama football bring people together? Relationships sometimes are formed lifelong over sports. Sports ought to be a galvanizing part of our culture. You know, it's not going to solve the world's problems, but, you know, for the four hours, it's something that everyone is united on. You know, let's roll with time. When you add the tradition, the proudness of the fans, when it all comes together, it's just a beautiful thing. It's bigger than a sport, really. I think that's a powerful thing, you know, for especially in a state with the history, you know, of Alabama. I think some of the times we make progress and then one or two things happen and look like we are regressing and look like we are falling behind or something. I mean, in the back of your mind, you can hold yourself in a regard and you think, like, if I wasn't a football player, if I wasn't an athlete, would they still treat me with the same respect? Our culture has evolved to create diversions, presumably because those diversions serve some purpose. I'm Ben Flanagan. Welcome to Bammers. In the manner prescribed by the Constitution of the United States, and now being mindful of my duties and responsibilities under the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the State of Alabama, and seeking to preserve and maintain the peace and dignity of this state and the individual freedoms of the citizens thereof, do hereby denounce and forbid this illegal and unwarranted action by the central government. Governor Wallace, I take it from In the 53 years since the infamous stand in the schoolhouse door, when then-Alabama Governor George Wallace stood in the doorway of Foster Auditorium to prevent Vivian Malone Jones and James Hood from becoming the first two black undergraduates to enroll at the University of Alabama, the school and state have certainly seen social progress, starting with desegregation of the state and school. But in nearly six decades, sometimes it feels like we've only seen baby steps. Well, I would just like to say that I'm glad that the registration is over and everything is over now. I think we can get down to studying. This is our main purpose here, and I'm glad that it has all been over now, and all we have to do now is get down, go get our books and start studying. So. Well, I'd like to say that at this time, this is our first and final press conference, and uh, we'd like to say that uh, we are very uh, happy to note that our registration has taken place without incident, and uh, we hope that we will um, be able to get on to our main purpose for being here, and that is to get an education. And this is our final statement. It wasn't until 2013 that UA took measures to avoid future racial segregation and claims of discrimination in its Greek system. What do we want? Change! What do we want? Now! What do we want? Change! What do we want? Now! What do we want? Change! What do we want? Now! Even in 2019, current students continue to protest for diversity and free speech in light of the Dean of Students' sudden resignation. Despite the occasional unrest on campus, one thing tends to unite students and the greater population in the state. Alabama football. I've long wondered if Alabama sports can work as a unifying force for people from different backgrounds and if they have and can continue to contribute to real social progress. 
Welcome back, welcome back. I know you miss me. It's Coach P, a.k.a. John Doe, one half of the unofficial assistant coaches. You might know me as Coach Oos. Honorary Uso. John Doe is an anonymous Alabama fan whose YouTube breakdown of Crimson Tide games have gone viral since the 2018 season. He's earned a substantial online following, along with a reputation as one of college football's best new analysts because he breaks down the Tide's latest performance. What we got? Okay, we got the screen pass to Young Jew, but it's 22 with the bad. I ain't gonna let me get a scholarship check right there. Go, go get the split moves. Speed, 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 speed. Oh, Lord! Let's go, Waddle. What from the Waddle House where you can get served 24-7? We travel a lot and we go to a lot of the Bama games and we realize that anywhere you go, especially if you see some of that uh, crimson color or anything, you can just holler that roll tide and it just brings us all together. We all know that, you know, without Alabama having the major sports that, you know, that Alabama and the Auburn is like the big the big schools here, but when you add the tradition, the the proudness of the fans. When it all comes together, it's just a beautiful thing to the fact that everybody, it becomes bigger than what we act. It's bigger than a sport, really. Nick Saban took it to another level, but even before Nick, the whole culture is, is amazing. It's, I don't, I guess without the money being involved, you know, with the pros and stuff, but the college, the college situation with the sports, especially at Alabama, is amazing. I can't, I can't really describe it. Anywhere you go, as long as you know how to say roll tide, you got an but you can be in a, uh, get in a fight in the alley somewhere. If you holler like roll tide and there's some, some, <laughs> some cats over there that's, that's down with Alabama, you got some brothers on you. I'm talking about this. It's an amazing thing. I've had all kind of crazy situations to find out how serious it is and it's really serious. Alabama, the culture is, is real. Like, I, I just can't explain it. Like, it, it's unexplainable, man. It, it's that deep. Alabama football is that deep. Sports ought to be a galvanizing part of our culture. Tim Brando is a national sports commentator at Fox Sports. I, I'll never forget this. Buddy Delaberto from New Orleans, longtime sports writer and then later sportscaster in New Orleans. He died a few years ago, but Buddy D used to tell me uh, that in New Orleans, one of the great things about the New Orleans Saints was that when they came into play in 1967, it brought in the Jim Crow South, it brought blacks and whites together rooting for the same team for the very first time. That at old Tulane Stadium, you had LSU fans, Southern fans, and Grambling fans all in the same building for the first time all rooting for the Florida Lee, the black and gold of the New Orleans Saints. And that if you look back historically, some of the issues that were happening in Selma and happening in Montgomery and happening in Birmingham did not happen with the same degree to the same degree in, in New Orleans. And part of that might have been, in his mind anyway, the fact that these people had met one another, many of them, and were cheering for the same team for the first time. See, to me, that's an inspiring story of what sports can do, that it brings people together. And I think that we've seen that, certainly, since the SEC integrated uh, in the early 70s, when that finally happened. In a way, I think it's good, because I, I almost see, you know, football is the only, probably the only thing where racism doesn't exist, I think. And maybe it does, and maybe I'm not aware of it. Isabelle Drevelo is from Bordeaux in southwest France. She's an associate professor of French and applied linguistics at UA. She arrived in Tuscaloosa in 2010, and the Alabama football obsession was a culture shock, to say the least. 
She feels like the imprint that it leaves on the community actually reflects progress. What I see all the fans, you know, they're happy together when their team win. Randomly, people will talk to each other. You know, I'm, the other day I was waiting um, in line at the gas station because my card wouldn't work, so I had to go pay inside. And uh, there were two guys, and they were talking to each other about the game. And one was black, one was white. And I'm not sure they would have, you know, talked to each other if it hadn't been about the game. And then they asked my opinion, and I was like, no. And then they're like, oh, you're not from here. I'm like, no, I'm not. But I think it's funny because it brings people together, and I don't think otherwise they would talk to each other. So I think that's a powerful thing, you know, for especially in a state with the history, you know, of Alabama, like with slavery and civil rights and all that. It It is a unifying experience for people, and you're right. Like people from different backgrounds can come together in the moment and, and really, I guess, I guess throughout, you know, an entire season, you know, and on, on the other side, that's relatively fleeting too. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all about football. And once the game is over and once the season is over, people go back to their lives and, and, you know, they they aren't a part of each other's lives in terms of crossing over into different cultures and backgrounds and things like that. But for that moment, for those three hours or 24 hours or, or a few months, you know, that Alabama football is happening, people do come together and agree on that. I wish it would, you know, spill over, but at least it's something. I yeah. don't think it exists somewhere else. But he does. I mean, I haven't lived everywhere in the U.S. I'm not aware, but I don't think it does. Warren St. John is a New York-based author who wrote Rammer Jammer Yellowhammer, A Journey into the Heart of Fan Mania. It's a very successful book about his odyssey traveling with Alabama fans in their RVs. There's this moment in the book where you're at a Vandy game during the 1999 season with the Bices in Nashville, and, and it was uh, close for a while before Alabama pulled away. I've gone back and watched the highlights of it. It's pretty great. But you write... Quote, what we have in common as Alabama fans overrides whatever differences there may be between us. I wonder if you think that it's a healthy thing, that this common ground of Alabama football. It's obviously something that unites people from different backgrounds in a given moment or throughout a season. But you also make the point that it's pretty fleeting. Yeah, it's well, so it is fleeting. But to your, to your question of is it healthy, no, I think it probably is somewhat healthy. It's like our culture has evolved to, to create diversions, presumably because those diversions serve some purpose, whether it's, you know, music. People who are really obsessed with music can go to a lot of shows. Is that unhealthy? You know, I don't think so. I think it's sort of soul nourishing. And a lot of what people get from those experiences is the, the sense of connection they feel to other people. I mean, this is a fundamentally social act. That's what pulls people into it, and that's why they thats why they do it. The game's not happening most of the time that they're there. It's happening for three and a half hours, maybe, but they may be there three days. So it's mostly about social interaction and, and forming relationships and connecting with other people. So... In that sense, I think it's probably it probably is healthy, and it certainly I think it, it speaks to a need that people have to find that somewhere in their lives. Does what we have in common as Alabama fans overshadow the differences that we have as human beings? And is that a healthy thing? The common ground of Alabama sports? It's obviously something that unites people from different backgrounds in a given moment or throughout a season. But is it also temporary, or is it something that can last past a season? Pre-Nick Saban and post-Nick Saban is still going to be the same, just like uh, during our probation series, I mean, uh, years right after the Gene Jelk situation. 
you know, we're still rolling with the tide and talking the same noise that a lot of these teams out here who don't have our, you know, winning, you know, they don't know how it feels to be where we at right now. We was in those situations a few times, and even during that time, we were still a proud fan base. When Mike Shula came in, we, we was just as excited, you know, when he came before we ever knew we would get a Nick Saban as when Nick came. So, I mean, it, it, we we still going to be the same way. I mean, it's just what it is. It's not like when Nick goes, we're going to go down and people going to start vacating. We, we do have a lot more, like you call, bandwagon people, and that's cool. You know, down here at Alabama, this other hospitality, we, have, we welcome everybody. You know, and especially with the tour situation, I have a lot of Samoan following now. You know, and we welcome them. You know, we welcome all. I tell people who fans of other teams, uh, hey, come on over, man. You know, one of us love one of us. You know, come join us. So it's not a temporary thing. You know, it's just a little bigger now than what it probably usually is, especially with the tour and the Nick Saban effect. But even when they leave, no, it's not going anywhere. It'll never, it'll never die out. I think that that is a truth. I really think that the the common factor of being a, a, an Alabama fan or whoever fan, you know, because relationships sometimes are formed lifelong over sports. Wendell Hudson is a retired basketball player and former women's basketball program head coach at the University of Alabama. In 1969, Hudson became the first African-American scholarship athlete in any sport at the University of Alabama under head coach C.M. Newton. I know being an Alabama fan with some of the people that I've met and know and been around and been, uh, did not know, even now, being out here in Texas, you know, if you see somebody else with an Alabama stick on or something and you go road tide, and I've, I've met a guy here recently, uh, out here in Texas, and we were at a little league baseball game, and he had an Alabama coat, and I said road tie, and he said road tie, and we talked for a little bit, and da 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 da, and and it overcomes a lot of differences that we might that people think that are bigger. You have a common ground, you have, and if you build a relationship in that common ground, you get to know each other in a different way. And all of a sudden, it is easier, much easier, to have a relationship beyond that common ground. And there's no question about that. My senior year in high school is when the high school association, athletic association, was desegregated. And that was in 1968, 69. That was during that particular uh, basketball season. When that happened in Coleman Coliseum at the high school state tournament, it was packed. Now, when I mean packed, I mean it was at the point where the fire marshal was talking about counseling games because they, they, they couldn't see aisles. And that was a general admission seat. You had to sit next to anybody. There was no reserved seats. There were no, this is home, this is visitors, or any of that kind of stuff. So you had to sit next to anybody. And, and crowded in the Coleman Coliseum was, you know, over 15,000 people that was sitting next to people and doing things and, and enjoying a basketball game and enjoying athletics that had never happened before. That's amazing. You know, I read a study that said it basically took decades uh, for white students' racial attitudes to improve after desegregation at UA. And I wonder if that was your experience and, and what role do you think athletics played in that progress? Oh, I think athletics played a big role in that progress because it's hard to go to an Alabama event, you're an Alabama fan, and pick and choose who you're going to cheer for. Because if you're cheering for Alabama, you're cheering for everybody that's on the team. And so 
the color of the person that's on the team doesn't matter because you're champ Alabama. And so I, I don't think it's any question that had that played a big part in helping students get over and, and, and parents and a lot of people get over some things because all of a sudden that person was playing for Alabama. I, how can I be a partial Alabama fan and I can only cheer for a certain group? And when the team won or lost, you had to take the wins or the losses with the whole group. If you think about the beginning of athletics here with C.M. Newton and bringing in an African-American and then to see, obviously, how we've progressed, I think that's something to be stated. I think he's, like, one of the first of his kind to bring in an African-American, um, even before Bear Bryant. So, you know, if we start there, I do think there will always be a racial divide with some people, with sports or not. But I do think it's brought us a longer, a much further way if there wasn't football or basketball, per se. Tierney Jenkins is Director of Programming in the University of Alabama's Graduate School. She played for Coach Hudson on the Alabama women's basketball team from 2007 to 2011. I think this topic goes beyond football and extends to all Alabama sports. Tierney was an Alabama athlete and remains a diehard fan of every sport here, including football. I spoke to her in the Ferguson Center, the school's student union building on campus. You have a unique perspective for a couple of reasons, obviously. You're a former athlete, you played basketball here, so you've been on the court where fans are coming together to watch you as a member of the Crimson Tide. You're also a person of color. Do you feel like you see it through, like, Alabama sports through a different prism at all than, say, I don't know, white people or other people? Definitely, because, I mean, in the back of your mind, you can hold yourself in a regard and you think, like, if I wasn't a football player, if I wasn't an athlete, would they still treat me with the same respect? Um, We've had incidents with a sorority student obviously saying a derogatory term and it being recorded, so that's always in the back of your mind. But I must say, since I've been at Alabama since 2007, I've never experienced a racist moment. I don't necessarily know anyone that has that is in my friend group or any athletes that have. I think that's one thing that athletics has done for me is that I'm with all types of people all the time. Um, And so I'm never with a certain race or a certain gender. Like I hang out with tons of guys. I hang out with tons of people from different races. Um, And so as a fan, it's the same. You're going to get high fives from everyone from um, age. So they could be the oldest person in the stadium is going to high five you to like little babies. And, you know, you're holding kids. You're just celebrating. It brings you together. And even if it's just for that moment, you feel a sense of family. You'll obviously all have the same goal. We're obviously not on the field playing, but as fans, we're cheering them on. We all want to win. So I think that's the one thing about sports and why I love it so much is because it brings that unique aspect is where people that you might not necessarily hang out with or participate with or, you know, be around, you are around because of those circumstances. Stick around for more Bammers. Step into fall in style. You really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes. This is the first step in dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. From no-shows to the boardroom, or you just want to showcase your own style, Dead Soxy has your feet covered. Go to deadsoxy.com and enter the code BAMMERS at checkout to receive 25% off all orders. Racial tensions in Alabama football have actually crossed paths in recent years, when a group of about 30 University of Alabama students sat during the million-dollar band performance of the National Anthem at the homecoming game against Kentucky in Bryant-Denny Stadium during the 2016 season. 
The protests were organized by a group of U.A. students to echo the movement started by San Francisco 49ers backup quarterback Colin Kaepernick after he knelt during the song that August to protest ongoing issues of oppression of people of color and police brutality in the United States. Covering Alabama football fans for the better part of a decade now, spending countless hours around hundreds of tailgates operated by all sorts of people, I've seen an almost universally positive and cohesive environment. Time seems to stop in Tuscaloosa when the Crimson Tide hit the field. Folks from different backgrounds unite to pull Alabama through one game after the next. I see black and white men and women breaking bread together, hugging and celebrating. I've seen houndstooth hijabs, the words Roll Tide written in Hebrew on t-shirts, and no one batting an eye as the legion of fans saunter across campus, eat barbecue together, and slowly convene into their Saturday sanctuary. So why can't this spill into real life? This isn't to say that every Alabama fan gets along on every game day. Saturdays in the fall are stressful. People are on edge. There's the occasional flare-up in personalities. But for the most part, there's harmony. And that certainly feels like progress. But is it fleeting? You know, I grew up in a segregated society. So, you know, I pretty much accepted things as they were. You know, that that's what we had to do pretty much. We had no other choice. But my parents always told me that education was very, very important. And so I kind of stayed with that all the way through, even through high school and college and, you know, even beyond. You know, that education was very important. And one of the most important things that's happened to me since we've been married, my wife and I, is that all five of our kids graduated from college because I made sure, you know, that they had an education because I thought it was important. And I worked at the university for 30 years. But, but a big thing happened to me, and I just want to tell you this real quickly, is that in 1962 and 63, you know, I could not attend the University of Alabama. So I went to the University of West Virginia in Morgantown, West Virginia, to get a master's degree. Because I had gotten a job at Stillman College after I graduated in 1962. I played basketball and baseball at Stillman. So I was not allowed to go here, so that's why I ended up at West Virginia. And I was hired in 1970, and I worked 30 years and retired in 2000. And I've been retired 19 years now. Archie Wade is one of the University of Alabama's first black faculty members, now a retired kinesiology professor who began teaching at UA in 1970. He spent two years as a recruiter for Alabama football coach Paul Bear Bryant, while teaching and earning his doctorate at the university. And he was someone who was there, literally at the dawn of this new idea, where anybody could soon buy a ticket and sit wherever they wanted to at a football game. Wade was one of three men given tickets by the university in an effort to desegregate Bryant-Denny Stadium. The game was Alabama versus Georgia on September 19, 1964. Dr. Quisenton and Nathaniel Howard and myself, we were the three people that he gave tickets to to integrate the stadium, but we had to leave, you know, at halftime because they, you know, throwing things and throwing ice and cups and all that and balls and all at us, and we just asked the guard to kind of help us get out. We would go ahead and leave. What was amazing, he did not give us any support at all. He didn't help us out, of, you know, to get us out of the stadium, going through the tunnel or anything. He didn't help us do any of that. So that was kind of frightening for me. Because I hadn't been through anything like this. You know, they were at, we were asked to go to the game because they want to integrate the stands, and that's what we did. That ended kind of kind of tough. It had a lasting 
effect on me. But the amazing thing is, seven years later, I was hired by the university. So I'm going from, you know, actually in 1963, I wasn't allowed to come there. Seven years later, I was hired by the university, but in 1964, you know, I was trying to integrate the, the stands. And one of the things I had to do in 1970, I didn't have to, but I agreed to do it, was to have Coach Bryant recruit black athletes. And at that time, we only had Wilbur Jackson and John Mitchell, you know, in 1970. So I did, you know, for two years, I did help to recruit football players at Alabama. The most difficult thing I had to go through was to realize what, what I was not able to do just a few years ago. Now I'm trying to, couldn't even sit in the stands, but now I'm having to go and try to help recruit black athletes. And you start thinking about that when you're on trips and going and talking to people. And whatever people would ask me, I would be honest with my answers, you know, because I'm a person of faith, so my faith has always been important to me. So I will tell you the truth, tell you how it is and all that. So I did help recruit Mike Washington and Ralph Stokes and tried to get Melvin Barkham from Mississippi, tried Condridge Holloway, he went to Tennessee. But those are some of the people I was, you know, trying to recruit for Alabama. But they would ask questions about Governor Wallace standing in the door and all, and how was I treated at the university. And I told them I was treated fairly. I, everything, I had a job to do, and I did it. And then one day I decided I needed to maybe stop this. And in 1972-73, I decided I would no longer do that, just concentrate on my, my work, you know, at the university. I wonder, were you apprehensive about going or, or like what was what was your sort of state of mind at first because dr wisdom was at you know at the university and, and a student at the university you know i thought maybe that might help a little bit but i didn't know how many people knew that he was you know actually pursuing his doctorate you know at the university that helped me a little bit but the other thing he was a great friend of mine so he asked me to do it i said yeah i'd be glad to go with you the only time I felt a little uneasy was going into the stadium. You know, you feel okay, and now that moment is here. And I now will go in now and witness this game. I think it was Georgia and Alabama, and I wanted to see Namath play. So when I got inside, everything was okay. The only problem we had is at halftime. That's when everything started because our seats was right next to the band. And when the band took the field, you know, for halftime, we were sort of out as sitting ducks, pretty much. Uh, everybody could see us because, you know, and that's when things stopped because I didn't have to worry about hitting anybody because no one was in the stand below us, so that's where the band was. Had we had other seats, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. But that's, I think, led to, you know, all the uh, commotion and all the throwing and all that kind of stuff because of the seats we had and the timing when the band left to go on the field for halftime. That's when I felt uneasy, and that's when we left. And so when you left, I mean, you all leave together. Do you remember where you went? No, we we, we left together, went out to Breezeway, down outside the stadium into our car. And just went home? Went home, right, exactly right. When that happened, I mean, I, I assume that there was obviously a, a level of you're thinking, like, this doesn't surprise me. But what, what what do you remember thinking in the moment and in, in the years since as that happened and sort of like how you felt at the time? Well, I tell you what, the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that when I was in school at Stillman, we used to have to go through the a gate for blacks to attend Alabama's game. 
and had a little bleacher that would hold about 30 or 40 people on it. And we had to sit in the corner of the end zone. And then we paid a couple of dollars or something like that to see the game. But we only could see a certain part of the field. So we couldn't see the end zone, you know, one end because our bleachers were back, you know. And then the first thing I thought about, I said, you know what, I thought maybe one day I'll be able to watch the game from the stands. I did watch one half and had to leave, but this is so much better than watching it from the corner. That's the first thing that came to my mind because it's, it's a long way from watching, you know, in those small wooden bleachers in the corner. Uh, and that's why Black Titus sit, you know, during that time in the 1960-61 season, you know, when I attended those games. At the time when this happened, like, I mean, were you cognizant of, I guess, what it symbolized and what it was the professor was, the effort that he was uh, making and what he was trying to accomplish? Yeah, I think I did. I guess what helped me a lot is the fact that, like I say, I grew up in a segregated society, so I knew you know, how people felt about me as a as a black person. But sometimes I think the problem is, Better answer the problem, but the best thing for me is that I didn't expect too much different from that, except I didn't want to be hurt. You know, it's not so much how people feel, as long as they don't bother me. But when they start physically attacking me, and that's when things change. But I just, uh, I really uh, was glad to get out of there. And for, uh, I guess, maybe 17, 18 years, I never did go to a game at the stadium. I just stayed away. I did go with the team sometimes, and Coach Bryan and Perkins and Curry and some of those, and even with Gene, Coach Stallings. You know, I did travel with the team. Of I had five members to go with teams, but I didn't attend the games at the university. I just never did. And one of the reasons I just had unpleasant memories about that night, and I just kind of stayed away. And I have not been to see a game since. Do you think that what we have in common today as Alabama fans, can it overshadow the differences that we have as human beings? Obviously, a lot has changed since 1964. I'm certainly not going to be naive uh, enough to say, like, things are all better now because they're not. But do you think that that sort of common ground as Alabama fans uh, can can sort of help that? Oh, I think so. I really do. I mean, I, I think there's a great opportunity in sports to help because I think culture and values influences sports and of course I think sports influence our values sometimes but but I really if, if I had to say one or two things about sports and what it has done I know for me it has helped me to get along with almost anyone at any time any place I would think there should be more discussions and more talk about things and how we can better have better relationships not only about race, but about religion, economics, or age, ability, or whatever, about sports. Because I think that's one of our greatest mechanisms we have to have a better society. But I don't think, I think some of the times we make progress, and then one or two things happen, and it looks like we are regressing. It looks like we are farther behind or something. And I say behind, because I think it all boils down to how people feel about race. And I can feel better about anybody as long as I understand. But if you don't understand where the feelings are coming from and and things like that, 
it's hard to, to talk about it. It's hard to make it better. So I think we have to identify the problem. And the problem is sometimes people think they're better than other people. Um, my family always told me nobody's better than you are, but don't ever think you're better than anybody else. And I just said, help me. And I think that would help us as fans, you know, to do all we can to help race relations. And I know I do all I can. I mean, it's good to see sometimes fans wearing different jerseys and different races with different types, you know, another race on the back of the uniform. I mean, I said, we're making, I think, some progress. That might not have happened some years ago. But I noticed that, it, that, that sometimes you see that. Because when I was coming through, see, people used to ask you, is the quarterback for Alabama, is he, you know, black or white? I don't hear it anymore. You know, you don't hear that like days in. And say, yeah, they're going to play, but they're not going to play quarterback, you know. And so when Walter Lewis and all of them, when they came along, and kind of now you don't, I don't hear it as much. I don't say it's not there, but I don't hear it as much. Do you think that it's also temporary, or do you think it's something that can last past a season? You know, I think it could last past a season. I think what's happened to Alabama a lot now is the winning atmosphere around the campus and championships and winning program and, you know, all these other things. And it's happened even with the city and they the stadium, you know, and not only the closing, the stadium, but TV coverage and the city. Everybody's benefiting from this. It's a good time to me to take advantage in terms of helping race relations in in the city and maybe the state and eventually it might be having the entire country because right now I just think we're at a we're at a difficult we're at a turning point in our society I, I believe and I again I'm speaking about these years and what I've gone through and what it's been like I hope things get much better than they are right today uh, I thought at one time we were making a little bit more and I think now the vehicle we could use would be sports and I think it would make a big impact you know, on our culture. If you look at everything in terms of the sports program at the university, you know, whether it's basketball or football or any other sport, I don't know if anything else would have done as much for the university as sports. Sometimes it takes something like what happened in the 1970s and 72 and even in 64 when we weren't able to stand to make the progress. So I feel like Alabama is a great place to not only go to school but to work all I can say is good things about Alabama and I say I think they can do a lot more in terms of helping with race relations if it's something beyond the football season thanks to Archie Wade Tim Brando John Doe Isabel Drevelo Wendell Hudson Warren St. John and Tierney Jenkins Join us as we continue our deep dive into Alabama football's fascinating fan culture. Additional audio from NBC and the unofficial assistant coach's YouTube channel. Bammers is produced and hosted by Ben Flanagan for AL.com. You can find all episodes and other bonus content on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Tired of dress socks that won't stay up? No shows that slip in your loafer? Dead Soxy has applied its patent pending technology to ensure you don't have to experience either of those issues. You really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes. Visit deadsoxy.com. That's D E A D S O X Y.com. 
and enter the code BAMERS at checkout to receive 25% off all orders.